and we're live hello hello hi everyone and welcome to this edition of quick brew um i'm becky from late life coaching i'm katie from strong and brave and together we are strong tea However, this is a quick brew. I just have to remind myself of that. <laughs> and quick brew is the the little brother, the little sister, the little sibling of uh, Strong Tea, um, which means that quick brew is just the two of us. We don't invite guests over for our quick brew episode. And it's just me and Katie talking about still some topics that can be difficult to talk about um, or considered taboo, but it's just the two of us. And we go away, do a little bit of research, but come back and always speak our truths. Would yes. you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we did all, we did originally, didn't we say, with a quick brew would just be a half an hour, but we get on our soapboxes and that's it. It just goes on for the same length as a normal one, doesn't it? So we stopped saying it's a short version. Yeah. <laughs> and our soapboxes are pretty high now that we need little step ladders. I mean, we're both five foot nothing, so it's kind of, we need those little step ladders anyway. Yeah, it's true. Five foot nothing yeah. and a half. Like it. Don't forget the half. Half it's an inch important. is always important. It, it, it is. is. I mean, it would be for men, wouldn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. What tea are you drinking today, Katie? Well, today I've gone outside the box a little bit. I've gone for a herbal. And I've gone for a pucker vanilla chai organic. Oh, it, the way it describes nice. it is a caffeine-free lift flushed with cinnamon warmth. How nice does that sound? Oh, everything but the word flushed. I like. <laughs> But yeah, that's I like the sound of that. You yeah. ruined it for me. Oh, you just ruined Sorry. it for me. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, you? What you what have you got on the go? So I have just had a Yorkshire tea multi biscuit flavoured. Nice. Part of the a range of teas that you brought me and have made my world incredibly more happy. Oh well, yeah. I can I can't take all the credit for it I didn't make the tea but you know I'm more than happy to uh, you opened my eyes <laughs> I opened the tea wagon exactly yeah. yeah that's good that's good well I'm glad you're I'm glad you're experiencing new things because of me it's all it's all good always always so today we are discussing um something which is quite close to Vicky and mine's personal experiences we're discussing GAD which is also generalized anxiety disorder now a lot of people, well, I think 99.9% of the population has heard of anxiety. Everyone's heard of anxiety, haven't they? It's, mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of confusion about whether people have anxiety or whether they're just a bit of a worrier. Mm-hmm. And that does get blurred, I think. But GAD, or generalized anxiety disorder, which I think for the purposes of this, we'll just call it GAD, mm-hmm. otherwise we'll be saying yeah. it again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long-term condition. And instead of worrying about one specific thing um, or event or moment, it causes you to feel anxious about a wide range of situations and issues. So you're constantly worrying. And people with GAD feel anxious on most days and they rarely feel relaxed. Now, both Vicky and I, have been diagnosed with this and so we can speak from experience but what we'll do first and I'm going to hand the reins over to Vicky for this one we're going to talk about some of the symptoms but also some of the statistics behind it because it's actually quite a bit more prevalent than you'd probably be aware of so over to you Vicky statistics queen incoming got you, have you got your crown on I, I have not got my crown it's more of a tiara I'm oh, afraid. Okay. yeah this is uh yeah that's fine um, so yeah, GAD is, 
as Katie said, it's a bit more complicated than just feeling anxiety or worry. And just for this purpose, worry is a behavior. So that's something that people do. Whereas anxiety is a bit, it's a bit more complex than that. So people with GAD, they just feel anxious most days. Then they don't really know how to, how to relax. And as Katie said, it's, it's being anxious about lots of things. It's not just one particular thing. So those can be situations, issues, and they could be real or hypothetical. Um, and the work might, the, the, the way that the mind works in that way is that the problem may go away, but another one will just pop up in its place. So it's a continual cycle of worrying. And the symptoms are rather things like restlessness, a sense of dread, constantly feeling on edge, difficulty concentrating, irritability, and put all that in the mix and kind of shake it up. And it can actually make you feel pretty, pretty rubbish and making you want to self-isolate. Um, social contact might be contact, contact. Oh, I thought, I thought you were teaching me a new word then. Easy on the <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, uh, it's kind of cacophony of uh, word of the day. Is that the right context? It's, it's kind of a whole mixture for people not wanting to put themselves into situations where the anxiety can actually cause and manifest itself into an attack. Um, So things like putting yourself in social situations, things that you're worried about. Anxiety will make you blow things out of complete proportion and make you worry and have all the physical effects before it's happened, as well as actually being in, in that situation itself. Um, The physical symptoms can include dizziness, tiredness, um, irregular heartbeats, the heart palpitations, um, muscle aches, trembling, dry mouth, sweating, headache. And it is different for ev- everyone. I just yeah. want to point that out that GAD for me looks very different to GAD for Katie. Um, and I'll talk about why that is um, in a minute. But yeah, so some other stats for you. Up to 5% of the UK population have GAD. 5%. Five percent, and that's 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 diagnosed. Wow! So there's a lot of people out there with GAD who are un, undiagnosed, um, and it's slightly it affects women slightly more than men, um, okay. and the common age ranges are between thirty five to fifty nine. Okay, yeah. So that's a few headlines for you. I think the whole diagnosis is. Um, an interesting one because I was diagnosed with anxiety by a GP and they wanted and I know we'll come on to this later but they wanted to put me straight onto medication um, and there was no further discussion about what that anxiety was or where it was coming from or or anything like that it was only when I went and did my own research got my own therapist and understood things a bit more that I was actually diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. So it's interesting when you say that 5% of the population are diagnosed, but think of all those people where the GP Mm. or someone has said, yeah, you've definitely got anxiety, but what sort of anxiety is it? Because there Mm. are so many different types, aren't there? Yeah. And I think you, your definition at the beginning of it just happens with uh, one thing. So if someone's worried or anxious about one particular thing, that feels very different to GAD where it can be very overwhelming because you either can't quite pinpoint where the anxiety is coming from, but it's quite overwhelming and in your face and you can't make it stop. Or, you know, there's so many things going on that it, it, 
your brain just can't handle it. Now, there are different causes for GAD. It can be mm-hmm. a chemical imbalance. So you've got your serotonin levels that are a bit off. That's why the medication kind of does that quick correction. You've got things like trauma-led anxiety. There's you know even genetics. You're more likely to be um, to inherit GAD if you've got a close member of the family who has it. So there and actually there's some that they just don't know where GAD has come from. So it's still a little bit of a, a mystery, really. Um, as to how GAD happens for some people in others it's a bit more bit more easy to diagnose where and how it's interesting isn't it because the the whole worry thing you know I I I remember um family members um certain family members have said well we didn't really have this in my day and I said well you you would have had anxiety in your day it's just it's not firstly it wasn't as widely spoken about but secondly it probably wasn't talked about as anxiety it was a little bit of worry and mm. I suppose the interesting thing is where does it become anxiety what goes from and I think for me my personal understanding is when it starts to impact on your life it's mm-hmm. not just oh um okay I'm a bit worried about uh, oh god brain fart um, <laughs> you know I'm a bit worried about this small thing happening at the weekend but you know I'm sure it'll be fine and we'll get past it too oh my god what if this happens at the weekend and you know what if that then causes that and what if that and, and it starts to become something which manifests and builds in your brain and spirals mm. to the point where it stops you sleeping it stops you concentrating you start to exhibit physical symptoms sometimes yep. upset st- upset stomach uh, nausea and then, of course, you have got those things like a sense of dread. And sometimes mm. you can't always pinpoint where it comes from. And I try yeah. and when I start to get that sort of impending feeling, I start to sort of think, right, hold on a minute. What happened when I started to feel like that? What happened when that feeling started to come mm. on? And I've trained myself to be able to go back to that point and go, right, that's it. That's the trigger. Mm. But if you don't know how to do that, it's difficult, isn't it? Absolutely. because. That- like I said before, it's sometimes it can be so overwhelming that you just can't, can't, you can't pinpoint, we're doing well today. You just can't pinpoint exactly where it's come from because it's just a shower of all these things that have just merged into one. So for example, if there's a social event you're going to and you're worried about, oh, I'm, I don't know what to wear and people are going to think I'm silly and what am I going to drink? How am I going to get there? Well, that's a whole load of stuff. It, that's not just one thing that you can mm-hmm. just shake off. It's a whole load of things. And with GAD, it can be quite difficult to single those things out and actually think logically to come up with some practical solutions because it's just quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what some of the therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy, it actually tries to um, change that thought into hold it, change it, and then the behavior will change. So it's trying to change that thought pattern yeah. um, to change your behavior, because obviously worry is the outcome of that anxiety. Yeah, I, and I think that the whole CBT therapy side of things is an interesting one. I've I know you've done CBT and I've I've done it as well. I didn't to be fair I didn't go to the end of my course of it, uh course of treatment um because my my therapist did a runner. That's not fair. Um, <laughs> but I had to go off and visit a sick relative and by the time he came back I was like, "Oh, it's been like 2 months and I'm kind of a bit over it." You know when you kind of get out of the swing of things. Yeah. Um 
I did find it was interesting to go back through. I suppose, I suppose it's one of these things, isn't it? Because with a lot of therapies, you go into talking therapies and it's like, okay, what's worrying you today? And how do you feel today? And it kind of, it's an opportunity to get everything off your chest. And I Mm. find that really beneficial, but things like um, cognitive behavioral therapy and what I've done more recently was EMDR is to go back through situations, Mm. back through your upbringing, your past, so you can see past lives then, not, not regressing <laughs> that far back, um, but like your your youth and growing up and how all these different things affect you and things actually that you thought were really insignificant mm. can actually have a massive, massive impact. Mm. And when someone highlights it, you're like, oh, oh, well, that's why I feel like this. And that's why that's like that. Mm. And I find that really helpful, actually, to be able to join the dots and say, that's that's why you know you almost feel a bit validated but yeah with generalized anxiety disorder because it's so broad it's very difficult to do that isn't it yeah and I think CBT it's not for everyone but it is extremely powerful when it does work so for me I um I was diagnosed with GAD on the back of ADHD so mine is slightly more complex in that I do have GAD but it also kind of nudges over into the ADHD territory um so I have so for example with my anxiety my brain often feels like I've got hundreds of tabs open so if you can imagine a computer just so many tabs that are open and I can't just switch one tab or one bit of anxiety and worry about that it's the whole umbrella all of them and they're all open and it's you know and it's quite it is overwhelming and the physical effects are a lot more obvious I think with um with my particular circumstance as well so physically I you know I I will start to exhibit little ticks here and there that if you know me you you'll know that they're that they're ticks um and it, just things like that. So that, yeah, anxiety displays itself in very strange ways. And so I was put onto high intensity CBT um, because of this kind of nuance. What's that? And Sorry, just before you carry on, okay. what, what's, the, what's the difference between regular CBT and high intensity? So the high intensity is literally just the regularity. Okay. So it was every week and you had to make sure you practiced it at least once a day um and kept a diary and so on and yeah (laughs) someone with ADHD routine's great but trying to tell them to concentrate on one particular thing is hard (laughs) it's it's a a bit of a it's a bit of a (laughs) sorry I'll have a telephone call it's not caller on the line promise my bad no no (laughs) if I was any good if I was any good at editing we could cut that out but I'm rubbish at it so we won't be able to do that um (laughs) so so yeah I think high intensity is literally just uh you know the the, with ADHD and with GAD the therapies are very similar it's uh medication um just a slightly different so you have kind of the serotonin suppressants or the serotonin kind of releases and then um you've got your CBTs and your talking therapies. 
so the high intensity CBT, it was, I, it was helpful in the way that I could see how my thought patterns were making me behave in certain situations. But because those situations are multiplied by a hundred, it's very difficult to make my brain do that all at the same time. And that's kind of very inarticulately what it's like for me. Yeah. It's interesting when you say about the tabs open, because I, different people have often said to me, you know, well, what, what is it? What is like, what, you know, what is it like? What do you suffer with? Because I think there's still a bit of a misconception if I'm allowed to say that, of um, what people think anxiety is Mm. and that, you know, rocking in a corner, sweating, shaking, you know, having a total meltdown. And sometimes people can experience quite severe anxiety without actually showing any symptoms. High-functioning anxiety um, is how a lot of people go around Mm. their daily lives. Um, and having that tabs open analogy makes a lot of sense because that's what it's like, isn't it? With Gad, you're kind of, mm. you've just got all of these things that you're constantly thinking about. And I used to, in my days of less worry, I still worry, but less. Um, and I used to go to bed at night and I used to think, hmm, I'm actually quite relaxed tonight. Oh my God. What have I forgotten? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and you automatic your brain looks for something because you're thinking, I can't, I can't relax. I can't possibly relax. I've never been relaxed in my life. So what have I missed? What have yeah. I forgotten? What have I not done? And mm. that again then spurs off that, oh, there's this, there's this, there's this. And it's very difficult. I find um sleeping is one of the hardest mm. things. And it's not necessarily falling asleep. I fall asleep anywhere. I love sleeping, but it's staying asleep. It's that waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, you've had that initial bit of rest and your brain's like, oh, nice and relaxed. Then all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, crap, I've got such and such I need to do. Oh, but what about that? Oh, what if so-and-so says that they haven't done that? And, you know, and again, that's when your brain then starts firing. Mm. And before you know it, you're in a spiral of anxiousness and you can't get back to sleep. Yeah. And there's no getting back from that. No. So, yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. Have you ever taken any medication? Yes, I am currently on medication. Um, uh, (laughs) I was on sertraline a long time ago Mm -hmm. um, because the signs were there. Even as a kid, um, I had horrific anxiety attacks. But back in the 80s and early 90s, that's just what, you know, she's just she's just a warrier she's you know yeah um she's emotional she's emotional she's an emotional child it's patronizing Um, though isn't it as well yeah yeah Yeah. it really is and you know accompanying that with ADHD you know it's only now that I become an adult that it's even a thing that I was told that I could have or have it's yeah unbelievable um but yeah even growing up the signs were, were all there yeah. Um, and my mum did have some um, depression and so on, but, you know, and, and, and some anxiety, actually. Yeah. Actually, thinking about it now, I just had a revelation. Yeah. Because it is genetic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the whole, yeah, I started medication a few years ago when it hit me quite bad. And what I found is that there are definitely triggers in my life that have made 
the anxiety step up and worse throughout my life. Um, so the first time um, was when uh, Chris, my other half, he's a submariner and he went to sea. So that was the first time that the anxiety hit in and I was um, on medication. The medication didn't work for me. And I think that's an important thing that I would like to really hammer home is that just because one form of medication doesn't work for you, don't let that put you off if it's a path you want to go down. Mm -hmm. Because after I came off of sertraline, because I felt nothing on that medication, I literally felt numb. Um, Some of my bestest friends in the entire world who were trying and trying and trying and desperate to have a child fell pregnant. And in my brain was doing somersaults and was like, I'm so happy. Oh my God. But I felt nothing. And that's when I realized I've got to get off this medication because I would rather feel everything than absolutely nothing at all. So when I was off uh, medication for a lot of years, Mm-hmm. And then um, after my mum passed, I then went back on to medication um, and I'm now on Citalopram, okay. um, which is nice. It takes it takes the edge off a little bit, but I was very much anti-medication. And then talking through the options and talking about the ADHD and everything, they said, to be honest, we'd be putting you on the same stuff even after we've gone through the lengthy diagnosis process with ADHD you'd still be put on the same stuff right so that's when I thought you know what I'm gonna try it because yeah why not um and yeah and I'm glad I did because it has taken that edge off but I also appreciate people who do not want to go down that medication route yeah and I've been I've been in both boats Mm. I was very much of the mind that I didn't want to take medication ever um, and then when I was diagnosed with anxiety, the GP said, look, here's some pills, go take them. It was sertraline. Mm. And I was on them for about six months. I had quite a rough time going on to them. Um, yeah. Got a lot of side effects. Um, yeah. And I was on them. And I decided right from the moment I went on them that I, it would be a stopgap for me. And this isn't, I, I don't preach to anyone because I, I have spoken to people who are on antidepressants and they say, I feel the best I felt in my entire life. Mm. And I just think, do you know what? That's great. If it's working for you, great. For me, I saw it as a stopgap because I wanted to address why I was the way that I am. And I think when you have a condition like GAD, it is there. It's always there. But certain catalysts in your life will change the way that you think about certain things. They will change the way that you act. They change the way you are as a person. And so if you've got the genetics to have GAD or any anxiety disorder, it could be sitting there lying dormant until something happens to kickstart it. And I think I wanted to address that and say, right, for me, I'm going to take meds to help me through the next couple of months and because I didn't want to stick a plaster mm. over a broken leg. Yeah. I wanted to address why that leg was broken. Yeah. Fix it rather than just keep covering it up. Yeah. And absolutely. that for me was quite important, but some people don't feel comfortable addressing mm. those things. They might know what has triggered them, what has set it off, what, you know, has caused 
the anxiety and you know traumatic experiences um mm. you know I um not long after Poppy died was diagnosed with um, PTSD and so as a result there are certain things which are extremely distressing for me and mm. I know in a heartbeat will kickstart the anxiety mm. and it's very difficult to come back from but there mm. are certain circumstances that I know I'm able to deal with mm-hmm. I'm able to avoid and I'm able to deal with so it's I think there's a lot to be said for meds and if you want to go down that route I would say make sure that you are having full discussions with your GP yeah. and or therapist about that but yeah. I, I'm such a big believer in therapy whatever type of therapy it is not mm-hmm. like you say like the meds not every type of therapy works for every person I'd agree with that. Yeah. Cause I, I do CBT with my clients, but uh, sorry, cognitive behavior therapy, but it's for particular worries, particular. So that, you know, non GAD related, you know, like, we can do them for GAD related, but it's easier for those that it's not GAD related because you can just pick a strand and go, go through it. You're pinpointing so my, it, aren't you? Absolutely. So my experience with CBT is good for those kind of things. Um, just with the high intensity one it it, yeah but I the science behind it proves that it does work but like you said you know you need to find the right dance partner you know you need to find the thing that works and will dance well with you and that will work for you yeah yeah and I think whether that's medication whether that's therapy that's a type of therapy that's a therapist you have to make sure these things work for you because ultimately it's such this is this is one thing about mental health that I struggle with in society. If you are, again, back to the broken leg. If you have a broken leg, you wouldn't think twice about going to A and E. Be like, mm. my leg's broken. They'd be like, oh no, right, X-ray. Let's get it plastered up. Let's get it fixed. Off you go. If you've got mental health problems, the number of people that won't put that forward, they won't seek mm-hmm. help because they think either it's less important than a physical ailment or they're ashamed to do so, I think is a real issue Mm. in today's society. And Mm. even though it's becoming better and it's becoming more open, the NHS do not have the resources Mm. that are needed. And I think if you require, you know, if you're, if you're not feeling, if you're not feeling the way that you think you should, and I, and that's very difficult because everyone thinks differently, but if you think, you know, if every day you're waking up with the sense of doom and the weight of the world on your shoulders, or you are experiencing panic attacks frequently, or even just this sort of constantly feeling on edge and, you know, you should seek help. Why should you not seek help? Mm. You wouldn't not take a paracetamol if you had a headache. Yeah. So it's about finding what's right for you and addressing it and facing up to it because I think for Mm. a lot of people certainly for me when I was diagnosed with anxiety as a as as a general term Mm -hmm. rather than GAD I was like oh okay that makes a lot of sense yeah rather than oh my god is it just me that feels like this constantly and I had other um physical symptoms um I was grinding my teeth mm-hmm. a lot, getting problems with my jaw, was getting internal problems. And, you know, all of a sudden 
someone says to you, this is what you've got. And you think, oh, right. Thank God for that. Thank God yeah. there's a reason for it. Um, and I suppose it's taken a long time for mm. me specifically to understand it as mm. a diagnosis, um, how to help it, how to understand triggers, how to find the things that work and things that don't. And like you, there are things that really do work. Yeah. There are things that really don't work and it's different for all of us. And I think that's really that's yeah. a really important point. And I think you said something interesting there where people, I mean, 5%, that's obviously the ones that we know about, but other people won't know that they've got anxiety. I mean, it took me a long time. And it's not just because the research wasn't done then or, you know, it wasn't talked about, but, you know, wait, for me, waking up, I have a constant hum or a buzz of anxiety that's just how I live I am constantly on a buzz of you know and it's not foreboding I can't put my finger on it it just is you know always there I've always been like that just woken up in the morning and there's just a you know just a buzz of anxiety a kind of threshold if you like and I thought it was normal I thought well everyone you know that's the caveman in me you know that's normal isn't it no it's not normal Vic. no no fight or flight, fight or flight. <laughs> yeah and you know it's obviously when you start talking to friends and you start kind of exploring it more that you start to realize actually how I'm feeling isn't quite right I hate the word normal mm-hmm. you know it's 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 detriment and another stat which is not a nice one but are you ready it says people with anxiety Um, can die 7.9 years earlier than other people with chronic disease and health behaviors being the leading causes yeah so So those behaviors yeah those behaviors and those kind of um things we exhibit because of GAD are actually life shortening I think you can see it though can't you because it's like when people go through life-altering events you can see how it ages people Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I suppose something like that makes sense, but I, I don't know. I speak to people who have anxiety and who have depression and some people are quite, you know, they, some people are ashamed of it, but there's almost like a sense that I get from some people, not all people that it is, that's it. It's a lifelong diagnosis. And that's not, that's the end for me, but that they resign themselves to the fact that that's just that's just me now and like you've mm-hmm. said about that whole waking up every day with that sense of anxiety i think there are so many things that you can do that help like every day and you know i'm i have tried meditation Many times <laughs> I do not have the brain for it, um, but mindfulness is something that I can do, but only for a very short time in the shower, um, you know, and different things. If I'm feeling particularly, particularly anxious, I have tried to do other bits and pieces, especially after Poppy died. I tried to take up because my therapist was like, your brain is so busy and you're constantly stressed about everything. Mm-hmm. You need to step away from that and focus Mm. on one thing and I tried all manner of things believe Mm. me I tried uh, knitting no I really want to knit I really really want to knit 
I found it so stressful that I was like, this is just making it worse. <laughs> and even bought some of the really big knitting needles as well. So it was really easy. Yeah. It's not really easy. It's not. It's not the lady in the shop was like, oh, watch the YouTube tutorials. I'm like, I just want someone to come to my house and teach me how to do it. Um, so that didn't work for me. I did cry, try cross stitch, um, mm-hmm. which again, because you're concentrating on it so much. I was yeah. Like, oh yeah, I can do this. I don't have a lot of patience, so that was taking too long. Um, adult coloring. Oh, that oh, was massive. Yeah, not like adult coloring, like naked. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, adult coloring books. Um, and I actually really got into that because I'm really anal about drawing in the line inside the lines. Yeah, you know, coloring in, and and I actually found that an incredible source of relaxation and a a real focus so that it was like right hold on a minute I'm feeling very very tense I'm feeling very very overwhelmed Mm. maybe I'm just gonna sit down have a cup of tea even if it's just for five minutes I'm just gonna color this in a bit and even even just for five minutes to just take yourself out of that moment and to just have that calm even if Mm. it's like playing a game on your phone to step away from mm. the the hubbub that goes on in your brain. Mm. You don't have to resign yourself to, I'm going to be like this forever. This is going to be mm. like this every single second of every single day, but you have to work at it. So it's interesting. I think I talked about it before in another episode about flow, when you are in a, um, the concept of flow. So the people like uh, chess players, rally drivers, rock climbers, they get themselves into a state of flow is when they're concentrating so hard that everything around them just disappears because they are just concentrating on that one thing with so much focus, so much attention that nothing else is going to come into the peripheral. It's, you know, that they are causing, and that can be a massive relief for people with anxiety. So for me, I play, I play sport and for you know on match days for for an hour and a half nothing matters apart from what I am doing on that court nothing that will touch I am just solely focused on that one thing and afterwards I come off thinking oh my god and you, you feel renewed you feel refreshed you know and that's not just because it's exercise which is you know another good thing to do if you do have anxiety but it's actually having the mind and the chemicals just stop for a second and stop bombarding with yeah. anxious thoughts. And it can look different for everyone. So for mine, it's netball. For yours, it was coloring in. Anything that gives you that state of flow to actually stop that movement, to stop that chatter going on. So you are focusing on just one thing and nothing else. It is hugely powerful and hugely beneficial. Yeah, I, it, it was one of the things that um, a grief counsellor said to us just after Poppy died. And because you are so overwhelmed by so many different emotions that you kind of just don't know where to start. And you can't like you talk about unraveling the threads and, mm. you know, there being so much to go through. And she said, go out for a walk. And I was just like, oh, for goodness sake, you know, you think, yeah, all right, fine. And she said, no, go out for a walk. And you listen to the birds in the trees. You listen to the wind that's blowing the grass. You listen to the horses that are in the fields, you know. And when she highlighted what you were listening out for, 
when you actually heard it and you picked up on it again, it's that split second. It's that little holiday for your brain. You're thinking mm-hmm. about something else. You're focusing on something else. It, it did work. I still do it now because I just mm-hmm. think actually it gives you that sense of calm and everything mm-hmm. is different. Everything is different for every single person, isn't mm-hmm. it? That's, it's about finding what works for you. It's, it's trying so many things. It's trying arts, craft, reading, exercise, walking, just give it a go. Even if you mm. try it for one afternoon and you think this is not for me, this is not working. That's all right. There'll be mm. something for you and it will help because yeah. both Vicky and I are advocates of trying to help with mental health, but we're also both living proof that you can get on and live your life with it as a condition Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's it's not surviving it it's 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 kind of I yeah embracing it yeah because you know I've had GAD ADHD for four god I'm 41 this year bloody I'm I'm 41 this year (laughs) for 41 years and now that I'm older I kind of don't get me wrong. There are still days that I don't know what I'm doing and it can overtake me. It could be overwhelming. You know, I'm human. Um, but you know, it's made me the person that I am and I am the person that I am because of it, mm-hmm. you know, just not in, in spite of it. Does that make sense? So it, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's growth, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I would say I know. so. I, I totally, I totally, um, I totally agree with where you're coming from with that because I think it pushes you to be a different person because mm-hmm. you have with all mental health disorders, I think, but specifically with anxiety and depression, you have a chance to fight it or you have a chance to let it take you. And mm-hmm. I've been in both places and I have had to fight and really push forward in order to change my life and take control of my life. And it's an empowering feeling once you accept what you have, understand it a bit more. And don't get me wrong, like I have spent years reading books and trying to understand anxiety a bit more and GAD and all the other different bits and pieces. And now PTSD, the more you understand about it, I know it's a cliche, but knowledge is power. Yeah, it absolutely is. And reading more about it will help you understand more and understanding more helps you control more. So yeah. it's... I'm not saying it's an overnight fix. It's not a quick process, but it's so worth it when you get on top of it, because like you say, it shapes who you are. It doesn't just have to be, I'm living my life and I'm surviving. Mm -hmm. It can be, I'm living my life. I'm embracing. I've got this. It's not going to define me. I think there's power in having a network of people who are your friends who may be having the same things because you know yeah I don't quite believe the five percent because I've got quite a few friends who have GAD and have been diagnosed with GAD so you know I think I'm a bit sketchy about that five percent but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another time <laughs> the stats queen is not not amused um but actually knowing that there is someone at the end of the phone that I can say yeah it's a wobbler today or yeah that you know because I sometimes personify some of the anxiety as well you know I imagine it being this little gremlin you know it's just just kind of it it takes its power away a little bit yeah yeah 
and just to be able to speak to someone at the end you know it's it's there again or oh yeah I'm 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 not fe- I'm feeling a bit nervous today I'm I'm, I'm all over the place you know the mm-hmm. ticks are back and you know just just and, and just someone going okay it's fine. and just sitting with me in that yeah, yeah um it's huge it's it's a huge support and it's just nice to have a uh, almost like an anxiety buddy to kind yeah. of understand that you know there's not gonna be a solution of oh just pull your big girl pants up and get on with it just pull yourself together oh what's wrong yeah. there's nothing to worry about it's like no, no, you don't understand it's yeah. nice to have someone go yeah no I get I get you I get you yeah and you just hit the nail on the head there I was gonna say about it's picking the right people because we were talking before we came on air about toxic toxic positivity oh, where yeah. people say oh don't be silly everything's gonna be fine it's all right don't worry about it you know and you just think you can't it's very easy to say that if you've not lived in someone else's shoes yeah and so picking your picking your tribe and being around people that you can say to look Mm. I'm blowing my brain up today I honestly I don't know where to start I'm so Mm. anxious and I mean I've done it with you a couple of times haven't I and I'll say okay I know this doesn't sound really stupid but this is how I feel today and you're like okay cool and why do you what you know what's triggered that you know where are you at with that and it's not someone just saying, oh, you know, it's, it's all right. It's fine. It's actually having that validity mm. and yeah. someone that gets it. That's it. That's really important, yeah. isn't it? And it's recognizing when someone's doing that. So when someone's having an anxiety attack or even just kind of, a, you know, what it looks like when people are saying that they're nervous or talking or making it look like they're trying to get you to be nervous as well, what they're doing is they're trying to transfer it. So that's a huge sign to look out for that someone has not necessarily has GAD, but is in that moment of anxiety. So it's those kind of things to look out for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think what you're saying is so relevant because it, some people might have people in their lives that they think are helping. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So have a cleanse, people. Have a cleanse. Yes. Don't forget, 7.9 years of your life could be wiped out because of this. It's insane, isn't it? Time to take control. Yeah. 7.9. Oh, so I could talk about this forever. And oh, ever yeah. Ever, but we might have to do a gad, a gad part two because <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's Return a lot. of the gad. Yeah, and hopefully I'll be a bit more, um, <laughs> I can't even say the word, I'll be able to articulate myself. To be uh, fair, this is day one negative of having COVID. So I do have a little bit of brain fog. So that's, that's my fine. caveat for this episode. You, you, you crack on. You have been perfect, <laughs> as always. I'm doing, um, I'm, doing. I, I'm, I'm sure I speak for both of us when I say that, um, you know, having been there, if anyone wants to talk about this mm-hmm. in any more depth, We've got our main email if you want to contact both of us. But of course, we've got uh, we've both got our websites, um, lateinlifecoaching.com uh, com. and strongandbrave.co.uk. Um, but we will obviously put the links onto that so you can get in touch with either of us um, mm-hmm. individually or together. And we're happy to chat through anything with you if you've got any any questions. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, everyone. And we will see you on the next episode. How exciting. See you again soon. Bye. Bye.